We finished out a series called The Art of Neighboring recently, and I, I want to make sure that I'm clear that just because we're finishing the series doesn't mean you can stop loving your neighbor. Amen? As a matter of fact, it should be, a, we've talked about this a couple of times, loving your neighbor should be a lifestyle, right? Why? Because Jesus said, he gave us the commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he said, love your neighbors yourself. And so really the lifestyle of a Christian should just naturally be what? Loving your neighbor. And so I want to challenge you. Don't let this die out because we're finishing, we finished that series. But what I want to do in the month of July is to talk to you about the character of God. Now, in, in April, we, went, we did red letters. You guys remember that, that series we did at red letters leading up to Easter where we made much of Jesus. How many of you know we can make much of Jesus this morning? He's our Savior, right? So we did that. We made much of Jesus. And then moving into May, we talked about the Holy Spirit, right? God the, God the Son, God the Spirit. We talked about how, how awesome it is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That when we have Him dwelling on the inside of us, we have power to, do, to fulfill the Great Commission. Actually, we have power to fulfill the Great Commandment because the Holy Spirit, where, is it, where does He reside? In us. Empowering us to do some amazing things. And so we did that in the month of May. In the month of June, we said, here's a practical way for us to allow the Holy Spirit to help us impact our culture by loving our neighbor as ourself. And so what I felt like God was saying is, can you talk about my nature as God the Father? How many of you love God the Father? And so the, the really the, the thrux of this this series we're going to be in in July is just getting a glimpse of the Father's heart. And so I hope that's what you do. And I understand that in, in a crowd like this, maybe, just maybe, your, your earthly father wasn't that great. And can I, can I say to you, I'm so sorry. Because that's not what God intends. But can I also tell you that he's not that way. He's a father. How many of you know the Father loves you today? How many of you really know that? Just lift your hands if you believe and know that the Father loves you. And so the, the idea behind this series is for you to get a glimpse into the Father heart of God. Are you with me? And here's the beauty of it. We're going we're gonna to dive into the book of Psalms to discover that. Now, how many of you know that from Genesis to Revelation, all of it reveals his heart, Right? But I want to focus in on the Psalms because there's just something about the nature of the Psalms, the beauty of the Psalms, the, the realness, sometimes even the raw emotion that the psalmists, they write with. Amen? So what, that's what I wanted to do today in this whole month. We're going to look into the Psalms. So if you'll turn with me to Psalm 65. But before we read that, I want to read you one passage out of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the Son, who's the Son? Jesus Christ, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. Watch this. I love this. When he had cleansed us from our sins. In other words, when he finished his heavenly ministry of dying on the cross, what happened? He ascended, and he sat in the place of honor at the right hand. Now watch how the, 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 uh, the book of Hebrews describes God. What does it say? Say it out loud for me. Majestic God in heaven. And so when you look at the whole picture of, of the, the redemption, the redemptive story, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you understand that a majestic God... Who, who was bigger and awesomer than anything you could even imagine, thought enough of you to send his son to reveal himself. Did you notice that? It says he expresses the very character of God. And so when you have a relationship with Jesus, guess what? You have insight into the heart of God. Are you following me so far? And so Jesus Christ is a window, a picture of who God is or what he's like. Does anybody want to understand God better? 
Is anybody longing for this relationship with him that's not just a, a knowledge here, but a knowledge here? Not just a knowing, but a knowing. So that's what this is about. So Psalm 65. Read with me, verse 1. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you. For you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. You notice what he's saying. Our heart should be to chase after God, right? That's, what, that's it. Now watch what verse 3 says. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, what happens? Say it out loud. You forgive. How many of them? Some of them? All our sins. Now watch verse 4. What joy for those you choose to bring near those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. Verse 5. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O oh God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. Are you already getting a picture of this great God we serve? And you notice the very first part of that. You see the gospel in the Psalms. How many of you noticed that? And I want to pay your, I want to draw your attention to verse 3. If they could put that back up there for me. I want us to read that one more time. Though we are what? Overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. So I want to talk to you about this first part as God as Savior. The Father heart of God has always been from the very beginning of time to have a relationship with you. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but that's the way it's always been. Watch what happens in Genesis. What does he do? He creates the world in six days. On the sixth day, what does he do? The Bible says he forms Adam from the dust of the ground and breathes life into him, creating a living soul. And then he creates Eve from the rib. And then you notice he says that they walk together in the cool of the day. Guess what? From the very beginning, God wanted relationship with his creation. Now, you know the story. If you've, if you've, if you've been around Christianity long enough, you know that in, in chapter 3, something happens. And Adam and Eve disobey God. And because they disobey, what happens? The, re the relationship is severed. There's a gulf between us and God because we offended him. That's bad news, isn't it? And the beauty of this is God never intended for the relationship to be severed, right? We made a choice to separate ourselves from God through our disobedience. But thanks be to God, this sovereign God was not going to leave it that way. He made a decision from the foundation of the world to redeem us back to him. Amen. Is anybody glad for that this morning? That's what we just celebrated when we did communion. And so I want to present to you today that he is our Savior. Now you have to understand the character of God as, as being holy. Over and over again in the scriptures, the Bible says that God is holy. Well, some of you, I don't know if you have a an understanding of what that word means. It really means he's perfect. He's sinless. He's not like you and us at all, right? He's totally other, totally separate. And because of that, he can't stand sin. He can't even be in the presence of it. And so the beauty of this whole redemption story is the fact that God, being holy, still made a way for us as sinful people to have fellowship with him. So when you think about that for a second, you understand the great lengths that God went to to restore you to, to fellowship. You know what my response is when I think about that, when I look at my own life, when I, when I take it, sometimes we, we fail to take an inner look. When I look at my heart and I see what's there sometimes, does anybody ever do that? Am I the only one? 
When I look in, I see, oh my goodness, there's, there's jealousy there. Can anybody else identify? There's envy there. There's lust there. There's pride there. When I look inside my heart and I see all those things, and then I remember that the, the holy God of heaven, the one who created the world, loves me enough to send his only son to die for me, I'm in awe and wonder. Is anybody else in awe and wonder when you think about that? The holiness of God brings us to a place where we realize we're sinners, where we realize we need a Savior, but once we have that redemption, we're grateful. Because there's a song we used to sing, Where Would I Be? God only knows. Apart from God. So do you see in the scriptures here, you see in the Psalms, though we're overwhelmed by our sins, God forgives them all. One translation says he purges them. You know what that word purge means in, in the original? He makes atonement for. The word atonement really means God's anger and wrath towards sin satisfied on the cross. Isn't that beautiful? God's heart is always salvation for you. That's why I sent Jesus. God decided. God chose Get this, folks. God chose to pursue you. First John gives us a good picture of this, right? Here's the motive. Here's why he chose, right? What did he say? God showed how much he loved us. Everybody say love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through who? Through Jesus. Now watch verse 10. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Do you see the gospel in the book of Psalms? The holy God of heaven reaching to mankind, sinful people. The redemptive story is a beautiful story. How I many you know there's benefits to being in Christ for receiving that salvation? We, we talked about it earlier. I read it earlier. Ephesians 2, 13. There are benefits to receiving the atoning sacrifice of Christ. This is what it accomplished for you and I. Watch what Ephesians 2 says. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away. In other words, there was this huge gap. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Have you been to the Grand Canyon? If you look on one side and you look over to the other side, there's a pretty big gap, right? What would it take to cross that? Some enormous bridge, right? Think about that. Your relationship with Jesus before Christ. Your relationship with God before Christ. You're on one side of that, that gulf. God's on the other. And Jesus, his death on the cross became the bridge to get you back to God. Is that good news this morning? So you were once far away from God, have been brought near. How? Through the blood of Jesus. His cleansing blood. We used to sing a song years ago. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He's our Savior this morning. Amen. So I ask the question today, if you look at our sins being atoned for, our, uh, this, this gulf being, being, this chasm being shortened, and we, we have access to God, now, now we have, it goes from just being an enemy of God to a friend or a son or daughter of God. And now there are privileges to being there. Amen. First of all, we have, we, you, listen to me. You can have an intimate, close relationship with God. How many of you believe that? It's God's word. And so when we understand that Christ paid this debt for us, he, he paid the sin for us, we have, we have access into the presence of God. And you notice it says there's joy. Joy in the presence of God. Amen. 
You, you have traded the sadness and the grief and the mourning over your sin to gladness and joy. Can anybody celebrate that this day? Can we put our hands together and thank God for joy? In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And so you have access today to God. You don't have to be ashamed or afraid because of what Jesus did at the cross. And not only can you have access, you can enjoy his presence. That's what worship, that's the essence of worship is what? Enjoying the fellowship with God. Did anybody enjoy singing today and lifting up the, our, our Savior today? There's joy in his presence. This is a benefit. I think another one that we need to consider is that we have hope. I get it. The last 16 or 17 months have been really, really challenging. Amen? If it's not been challenging for you, I need to get a hold of what you got. But in the midst of this, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of a shutdown, in the midst of the layoffs, in the midst of all the turmoil that we've seen in our nation, there's hope. And the hope that God offers is through his son, Jesus Christ. We sang about it a few minutes ago. We said there's hope in a resurrection. Amen. There's hope that one day there's going to be better relationships. Amen. There's hope for better health. There's hope for a better future. All of it accomplished by what Jesus did at the cross. Are you getting a glimpse into the father's heart for you today? I love this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Here's another benefit. For he chose. Everybody say chose. Again, God made the choice to redeem you. Amen? He didn't have to. For he chose us in him, watch this, before the creation of the world to be holy. How in the world does a person go from being a sinner, dead in our trespasses, to being holy? How is that possible? The blood of Christ. The righteousness of Christ in us. Amen? And now, because of Jesus, you're not, you're not under the sin anymore. You're not under the wrath of God anymore. Now you're holy and blameless, walking in love. Amen? I love this. Does this excite anybody else as much as it does me? Now watch what verse 5 says. He predestined. In other words, he determined beforehand. What did he determine to do? Adopt to adopt you. Has anybody, has anybody ever adopted? Or maybe you're adopted. Has anybody ever adopted a kid? Nobody's adopted in here. Maybe online, maybe you have. Listen, when you adopt somebody, you make a choice, right? Now, the kid could be longing, right? If you're an orphan, what are you doing? You're longing for somebody to love you, right? You're longing for the, for the connection of a, of a father and a mother that you don't have. And when somebody makes a choice, listen, I'll pick that one. And, I, and I'll legally adopt that kid. What happens? Something changes. That kid, listen to me, that kid is no longer an orphan anymore. Y'all following this? He chose you. Amen. So if a kid's adopted, they sign legal papers. That kid takes on the family name. That kid's in line for anything that the family has, for the inheritance, for all the resources. Can I, can I go on this morning? And so what God said is, I choose you. I choose you. And along with that comes all of the benefits of being a child of God, right? All the access, all the provision, all the health. Amen. This is what's true of you as being adopted into the family of God. And again, from the foundation of the world, it's always been God's heart for you to be his kid. Somebody in this room, you've never seen God that way. You know how you've seen him? As this, this mad judgmental, wrathful God. How many of you believed that before? Yeah. 
How many of you believe that he's different? I got some more good news for you. So God's holy, right? Can't stand sin, makes a way. And then there's two more attributes I want you to understand before I move on to the next point. He's merciful. You know what that means? I didn't deserve the kindness of God. I didn't deserve the goodness of God, right? I deserve death. But he didn't give me what I deserved. Amen. Is anybody glad for mercy this morning? You didn't get what you deserved. Come on. Bless him for his mercy. But that's not it. Not only is he merciful, but he's gracious. So here's, here's how, what this looks like. What I didn't deserve, I got. What is that? I got his favor. When he looks at me, he looks at us as a, as a son or a daughter. He loves us. He's got his, his best in mind for us. Amen? That's how he sees me. So I didn't get what I deserved, and then I got what I didn't deserve. Is that not good news this morning? Can we celebrate the grace of God? This is the God I serve. Amen? This is the God that you serve. God is Savior. One more passage before I move on. I got so much. There's so much inside of me today. I hope, I hope you sense that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love this trade-off. How many of you love this trade-off? God made him who knew no sin. Who's that? Jesus. Perfect Jesus. Sinless Jesus. Watch this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that we, say we, turn to your neighbor and say you're a we. So that we might become the righteousness of God. What a trade-off. Amen. Our sin laid on Jesus. And we get the righteousness of God. We get the access to God. We get the favor of God. We get everything that God has for us this morning. Why? Because God loves you. Folks, this is what living looks like. If I had a picture of a full life in Christ, this is what I'm talking about. What a trade-off. Anybody glad for that trade-off? What an amazing. Can we just stop right now and say thank you? Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you are our Savior. Though our sins overwhelm us, what does he say? You forgive them. All. Say it loud. All. God is Savior. Number two, God as Creator. Verse six, let's, let's pick up Psalm 65, verse six. Watch what he says. You formed the mountains by your, say, power, and arm yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in, say awe, awe and wonder of, of all of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of, say it loud. So God is Savior, God is Creator. Think about verse 6. You formed the mountains by your power. Has anybody ever been to the Rockies in Colorado? Has anybody ever been to the Grand Tetons? Has anybody ever been to the Appalachian Mountains? I mean, yeah, you're right. Blue Ridge Mountains. You, you're close here, right? What are you, what's your response when you see sites like that? Now think about this. Those majestic mountains, fixed, unmovable, majestic, awe-inspiring mountains were created by God with just a word. Think about that for a second. Everything that you see, mountains, rivers, oceans, 
created by this God that we serve just by his words. Does that inspire on anybody else today? <laughs> creation. Here's, I, I found this, this definition of creation. I want to read this to you. Creation is an act of God alone by which for his own glory, he brings into existence everything in the universe, things that had no existence prior to his creative word. We like to say out of nothing, right? A uncaused first cause. Think about this for a second. God has no beginning. What? And he has no end. Is anybody else's mind blown? Because we think in terms of starts and stops, right? Well, I was born this day, and, I died, and the person died this day. No, God has no beginning or end. He formed the mountains by his power. Does that not inspire awe in anybody else? Here's how Paul said it. He gave us a good why. Why did God create everything that we see? Well, here's a picture of it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For through him, who's him? Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created and through him and say it one more time through him and what's the significance of that Jesus Christ God the Father created everything that we see for himself for themselves right the Trinity God the Father God the Son Holy Spirit created everything that we see right for them. The beauty of this is it includes you and me. And the awesome thing is because we're created as a special creation of God. Listen, you may, I don't know, I don't know where you are on evolution, but listen to me, folks. Here's what the scripture teaches that man is a special creation, not like animals. No, a special creation created in the image of God. We have the ability to think. We have the ability to reason. We have the ability that we have a spirit man that connects with God. No other, no other created thing is like that. And so guess what? You're created for him. For fellowship with him. For relationship with him. This is our creator God. Now, everything that you see. How many of you like to go hiking? Hiking, uh, surfing, paddling, any kind of thing in nature. Anybody like doing anything? Boating, jet skiing? <laughs> I'll cover most of it, right? Here's how. God has given you everything that he created to enjoy. Is that not the favor of God? Is that not the, the amazing grace of God for you to be able to enjoy everything that he's created? Just the other night, we were, we were hanging out with some friends Friday night, and we, we walked through the woods at night, and we were all worried about uh, snakes, but we never, thank goodness we didn't see any. But as we looked around, we saw this beautiful lake. We were walking to watch fireworks. What a beautiful display of fireworks and harmony on the lakes this past weekend. It's awesome. But when we think about that, God gave us that trail to enjoy. He gave us those fireworks to enjoy. Do you, you understand this, right, folks? That, that the full life that God has for you, it's not all, hmm, you know, and all this. No, God wants you to have a good time. You can have fun as a Christian. It's not a boring life. 
A full life involves enjoying the things that God created. Now, the problem is when we start getting unbalanced with it, we start, oh, yeah, that's a beautiful mountain. Let me go about, no. The mountains... The heavens, what do they do? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The mountains declare the glory of God. All of nature points us to God as creator. But the beauty of this is he created us for himself. We are his special creation meant for fellowship. But here's the part where it goes sideways for a lot of us. Because he created it all, and owns it all, he's in control of it all. And this is where we get started getting sideways with a few folk. Oh, uh-uh. No, God, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Has anybody ever said that before? Guilty. And the reason is, we have a wrong picture of God. All right. All of this is to help you clear up the picture. Here we have a picture of God, a God up in heaven who wants to keep his thumb on me, to control me, to make my life miserable. Has anybody ever felt that way about God? That's not him at all. We've already seen into his heart, haven't we? That he loves you. He wants you to enjoy the things, everything that you see. Amen? And so the beauty of this is I, I'm, glad that he, I'm glad that he is in control. There's a comfort Amen. And knowing that God's in control kind of lets me off the hook a little bit, doesn't it? That I don't always have to manufacture something or make it happen. I can just simply trust in the Lord with all my heart, all my soul. Right? And so this idea of God controlling my life isn't that he wants uh, his thumb on me. No, he actually wants the opposite. He wants to lead you to full life. He wants to lead you to abundant life. And who better than to do that than the one who knows you better than you know yourself? He created, the psalmist said this, he created me. He knitted me together in the womb. He knows my inmost being. He knows how I tick, Right? And yet, he wants to guide your life and love you. He wants to lead you to a full life. Is this helping anybody today? And so when we look around and we see the awe and wonder of creation, the mountains, we're, we're drawn to say, wow, God, you're an amazing creator. You know what, you know what, that's, that, you know what that is? That's worship. When you acknowledge that God created everything, that he's in control of your life, and you're willing to submit to him, that's worship. Remember earlier we said this is, a, this is an act of surrender. Bowing is an act of surrender, submission to the Lord our God. That's our response. Now, I understand independence. We, we, we're, today we're celebrating independence, right? Everybody, are you glad we're celebrating independence? Independence is good when you're trying to get free from a tyrannical government, right? But it's not so good when you're dealing with your heavenly father, the one who created you. You understand that, right? This is helping. So my surrender to the Lord, my saying, God, you're in control, lead my life, that's worship. Here's how Paul said it in Romans 12. I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It was a reasonable act of worship. Right? I love this. Here's the other thing. I love this when we, when we focus on the idea that God created everything by his word. Think about that for a second. The power that your God has, just the fact that he could speak something into existence. So my question is, can he speak into your life today? Are there creative power in his words toward you? Into your dead situation, into your relationship, into your health. Can God speak creative life into your, into your life today? Absolutely he can. And you guess what? Every moment that you open up your, your Bible, 
and you're reading it, guess what? You have access to the creative power of God's words. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Watch this. By faith, say faith. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Come on, somebody. So that the things which are seen, we've seen not are made by things which are invisible. Watch this. Watch this. The creative power, Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and God said, and God said. What happened? Every time he spoke, something happened. Can God speak into your life and something happened? What's the key? The key is the first word there. By Say it, say it loud. Faith. By faith, we understand that God's word is powerful. I hear people say this all the time. Well, we got to make God's word relevant to the culture. You don't have to make God's word relevant. It's always been relevant. It'll always be relevant because the Bible says it stands the test of time. When everything else passes away, my word will stand. So you can take it to the bank. There's creative power in the Word of God. Problem is, we don't believe it. We don't have the faith to believe it. But when we understand and go back to the Father's heart for you, that He saved you, He redeemed you, He created you as, as His very own for relationship, you know His heart is to, to do what, if you pray in faith, He'll do it. Jesus said it. If you ask anything in my name, what did he say? It said, it shall be done. We, we sang that song. God, we believe for it. Amen? What's, what's the rest of that? I, I know this is, I'm catching them off guard. Can you put the lyrics of that song back up there? Where it talks about for, believing for the impossible. Are y'all, can y'all hear me back there? Can y'all put the words of that, of that second song they sang this morning? There we go. Watch this. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe it. What's believing? Faith. Believing is faith. God, we believe for it. From the impossible. Next, next line. There you go. We'll see a miracle. Why? Because we... Come on, somebody. Help me here. God, we believe for it. Nothing is impossible with creator God. Amen. He's your creator. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to take control of your life so that your life doesn't go any, nowhere. <laughs> Pastor, this is good preaching. All right. But what's the outcome? There's always an outcome. Joy. What did he say? The last few verses there. Was it? Was it? What did it say? Shouts of joy. And he's talking about nature. Guess what? We're, we're created beings, right? What do we do? We live shouts of joy. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. He loves us. He has good plans for us. Plans to not to, to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Amen? And so can right now, can we just give the lift a shout of joy to God right now? Let's go ahead and lift a shout of joy. He's good. 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 Come on. This is the God you serve. I hate this. This is what I hate about the enemy. He wants to make God small in your eyes. He wants you to. Here's what's happened over, over COVID. We've either, we've either gotten spiritual amnesia or we've never believed it in the first place. And so what's happened is I've gotten my eyes off the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who created the, the stars and the moon with just the words. I've got my eyes off of that and I got it on my circumstances. Well, the economy's failing, or this person died. Whatever it is, I have to take my eyes off of that and put my eyes back on the one who created all things. God is creator. God is savior. You ready for the last one? Anybody ready to go home? No, I, I know what you're doing. You're thinking, man, I, I got those steaks marinating in the fridge. That boy, that, mm, I can just taste that filet mignon right now. Anybody there? Some of you, maybe you're doing tube steak. That's okay, right? All things to enjoy. Amen. Last one. God is provider. Verse 9. 
Notice the first two words there, first three words. What does it say? I highlighted it. What does he do? You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. Y'all, you seeing a pattern here? The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. Does this sound like the, God, the creator God, the Savior that you serve is a God of lack? No. He's a God of more than enough. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Verse 12, the grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. Watch what it says. Are you seeing a pattern emerge here? They all shout and sing for so what's, what's the result of all of this? There's joy. So God is your provider. Verse 9 says he wants us to be healthy and prosperous. Now does that mean that things are always going to go well for you? That you're not going to, you know, listen, you don't misunderstand this message. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those hyper prosperity preachers. I'm not. But I do believe God loves blessing his kids. And Jesus did promise that you're going to have trials and tribulations, right? He said, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. So I'm not talking about a life that's not going to have issues and problems, right? What I'm talking about is a God in the middle of those. A God who wants to bless you in the middle of those. A God who wants to give you a full life in the middle of all of that. That's why you can rest assured, you can hold your head high when things come crashing at you. You say, you know what, I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. The one who made heaven and earth. You know what that does? It gets my eyes off the circumstances and onto him and there's joy as a result. Because joy is not like happiness, folks. You know what? Our Constitution talks about that. The Declaration of Independence talks about a pursuit of happiness, which is great. But really what we should be pursuing is what? Joy. Because it's not based on the circumstances. It's based on the faithfulness and the awesomeness of God. He never changes. Amen. So he's your, he's your, he's your provider today. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, look, don't worry. Has anybody been anxious over the last 16 months? What did Jesus say? Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you put on. Because if I'll clothe the grass of the field, which are, you know, when they're arrayed, they're more beautiful than Solomon's get up, right? And then if I, if I take care of the sparrows, I'll, I'll feed them. How much more valuable... Are you? You know what that tells me? I'm a special creation of God. I'm created in the image of God. I'm loved by God. I'm valuable to him. Amen? And listen, some of you need to step into that because you don't even see in your own eyes your worth and value. But if you'll see your worth and value in terms of what, how God feels about you, you can feel different about yourself. Amen? There's your self-esteem built right there in, in, in almost an instant. But you notice... He says, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. No matter what the circumstances are, you're cared for. You're provided for. Again, some of us get to the place where we think, you know what? I don't need God. I'm a self-made man. Oh, really? I don't need that. I can fend for myself. Listen to me, folks. That is a destructive mindset. First of all, who gave you the the ability to work? Who gave you the mind to be able to reason and work? Come on, somebody. Oh, you think you're all of that, but you're not. 
I hate to say it, you're not. But again, in Christ, you're everything. Come on, somebody, help me here. And so this is where we go off track when we think that we got it all figured out, that we're the ones calling the shots. Listen to me, if COVID didn't prove that, that that's, the, that's not true, I'm telling you, maybe you're missing it. Because how many of you felt like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Did anybody feel that way like last March? Y'all lying. Everybody in the room should have lifted your hands. How many of you felt helpless at time, one time or another since COVID? You know what God's doing? He doesn't like, he doesn't like doing all that to you, but he does want you to re remember where your help lies. He wants you to remember where your provision lies. Let him take his hand off you for a second and see what happens. If God stopped caring for us, taking care of us, providing for us, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But I also can declare to you today that he's not in short supply. When COVID happened, when the economy crashes, when the stock market crashes, when the housing market crashes, God's not up in heaven going, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, my goodness. How are they going to make it down there? No, 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 no. The Bible says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Everything belongs to him. I'm telling you, he, has, he is not short in supply. Philippians 4.19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply some of your needs. Oh. Loud. Oh. All of your needs according to his, uh, no, his, his, uh, a few things in glory. What does he say? When you think of riches, what do you think? I'm thinking going into the bank where there's, you know, okay, this, this is his, you know. Think of multiple banks. Think of all the banks in the world. And it doesn't even touch the resources that God has. James 1.17. Watch this. Every, say good, and perfect gift is from where? From Him. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Talking about God the Father who does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no sh turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever. Y'all know the chorus? Great is thy faithfulness. Sing it. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, and all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord Can we give him praise for that? Come on, put your hands together. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's, here's, the, here's how this is. I'm going to bring all this together. There's some practical advice I have for you, right? First of all, everything that we've, we've talked about today, you would not have known unless we could see it in the Word of God, right? Remember, Jesus is the full expression of God. John calls him the Word. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us. So without the revelation of God in the Scriptures, you and I would be so clueless to his love for us, his, his ability to save, his ability to create, and his ability to provide, right? So what we've done is we've dove into the Scripture. I didn't, I didn't come up with it. Who came up with it? God himself said in the Psalms, here's who I am. He's revealing himself to you through the word, right? And so here's the practical advice. Number one, just acknowledge it. I know this is hard for some of us. Independence, right? We're celebrating freedom today. It's hard because we're so independent to acknowledge that we might need God as our Savior. 
It's hard for us to acknowledge that we might need him to be to create some, some life in us. Or it might be hard for us to say, you know what, God, I need you. I, got, I, 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 I depend on you for provision. So that's the first step is acknowledging. Second step, trust him. How often? Actually, we probably need to put this moment by moment, right? Trust him moment by moment for relationship. Trust him moment by moment for our health, for our purpose. Remember, you're created on purpose for purpose. That right there is a glimpse of full life in Christ, right? Are you willing to trust him with everything? Number three, worship him. Remember, worship is a response to what God is revealing to me, right? What do we say? He's our Savior. Oh, worship. Thank you, God, for saving me. What's the outcome? Joy, right? And then we talk about, oh, you're, you're the creator God who, who formed everything. And, and you're, by your words, there's power, right? Oh, worship. I'm in awe of your greatness, God. And then you provide. Thank you. That's worship. You follow me. Why? Because he is worthy. The last one, share with others the greatness of our God. This is your testimony, folks. We sing that song, this is our testimony from death to life. When God does something amazing in your life, like saving you from death, <laughs> like bringing you into his family as a son or a daughter, shouldn't we say something to somebody? Shouldn't, shouldn't we tell some other people who may be dead in their trespasses and their sins, who may not have yet acknowledged him as Savior, maybe they need to find out this great God we serve, amen? Guess whose story it is. It's yours to tell, amen? So tell about the greatness of God. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grove Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.